Welcome to the Bedford Alliance Church Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Luke Cugino, your discipleship pastor and host. This podcast follows along with our church-wide reading plan, which walks you through the entire New Testament and gives you an overview of the Old Testament. Join us as we dive into God's life-changing Word together. Well, hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Luke Cugino, and I'm as always, I'm joined by my co-host. How are you doing today, Pastor Ryan? I'm doing real good. Well, that's good. Well, we finally made it through 1 Corinthians. It was quite the journey. 1 Corinthians is packed full of good things, but 2 Corinthians is just as good. <laughs> so today we're going to do an intro to 2 Corinthians, but first I want to kind of set some historical context or, or remind us of some historical context. I know we've covered a lot of these things in previous episodes, which I encourage you to go back and listen to if you haven't already, um, but it's also always just good to review because that's mm-hmm. that's how we learn, right? So just to recap things quickly, remember Paul first visits Corinth on his second missionary journey, right. and you can read about this in Acts chapter 18. So this would be right around 50 or 51 AD when he first visits Corinth. And so on this second missionary journey, remember, he, he works his way around the Aegean Sea. He gets to, to Troas, and that's where he receives the Macedonian call. Mm-hmm. He crosses over to Macedonia. He goes to, to Philippi. He goes to, to Berea and then to Thessalonica. Remember, he's not there very long. He keeps getting run out of town by these mm-hmm. Jewish people who are following him. Then he goes to Athens, and that's where we see Paul's really starting to struggle a little bit personally. Then he comes to Corinth. And he's in Corinth for about 18 months, which is a long time for Paul. That's a long time for Paul to be in one place. And remember, we talked about the city of Corinth. It was a very interesting place, to say the least. It was kind of the the Las Vegas of the ancient world. It was at a very important trade location, so it was a very wealthy city. But it was also a city filled with idolatry and prostitution and all sorts of sins and, and vices. So it was a very very difficult place to be if you're trying to to start a church. Sure. Is there anything else you wanted to add as far as the background there, Pastor Ryan? No, I know that we've covered this in other details. The geography is pretty important, too, where it was at. So um, a lot of times when I think of the Corinthian church, I think of it being, I think they thought of themselves as the uppity church. Yeah. Well, I read somebody who said that 2 Corinthians is kind of like turning on a TV show in the middle of a complicated scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of saying it. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. So, Pastor Ryan, can you help shed some light on, on what's going on with all of these different letters that Paul's writing to the Corinthians here? What gets a little confusing is trying to keep track of where we're at in a time scale because right. when he's writing to Corinth, he many times is on his third missionary journey, we yep. would say. Yep. And on the third missionary journey his headquarters for the most part is in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And so it does get a little confusing, so I'm hoping my, my audience, the listeners can keep track of this. But I think you mentioned in the past how Paul actually had at least four correspondents yes. to the Church of Corinth. Yep. Now, we know that Paul writes a letter to the Corinthians. This is his first correspondence. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that letter's lost. Right. Now, I know people would ask, <laughs> well, how in the world do you know he wrote before mm-hmm. First Corinthians, because he says it. He tells us. <laughs> he says it. Now, concerning the things that I wrote to you. Right. So if he wrote them before that, then we can assume First Corinthians wasn't the first letter he wrote. Mm-hmm. So we know now, which gets strange, he writes a letter, that's lost, First Corinthians, 
is really his second correspondence to them. Mm-hmm. And we know that in his second or his in First Corinthians, the Corinthians don't respond very well to that letter. Yeah. They're very upset. And we know that there are serious problems in Corinth. They're questioning his authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's in Ephesus, he's on his third missionary trip, but we know that he makes a trip to Corinth, a quick one, mm-hmm. and it's known as the painful visit. He has to confront the church, yep. some problems. So Paul then returns to Ephesus, and he writes another letter. This letter is also lost. Yep. Now, we know that uh, Titus would seem to be taking this letter to the church. Now, theologians often call this the severe letter or the painful letter mm-hmm. because it's so disciplinary in tone. It's very difficult. Yep. So now, remember, we're on a third missionary journey. Paul is in Ephesus. He's having a lot of problems with the church of Corinth, but he's also having a lot of problems himself personally mm-hmm. in Ephesus. Yeah. He doesn't go into a lot of detail what's going on in Ephesus, but we know it's a very, very difficult time for him. In fact, many theologians think he was probably put in prison in Ephesus. Mm. It does talk about how he says that he even believes he's going to lose his life in Ephesus. Now, God does deliver him. So he has all this situation going on. So he's dealing with problems in Ephesus. Many think he's probably put in prison. It's a very difficult time for him. But eventually he leaves Ephesus and he's going to head towards Macedonia. But do you know what's on his mind? How are the Corinthians Corinthians. doing? I just sent this horrible letter to them. I haven't heard from them. What's Uh, going on? Have they rejected me? Have they repented? And so we find that Paul is going to meet Titus in Troas. And Titus is going to talk to Paul and give an update of what's going on in Corinth. Mm -hmm. And he he pretty much says, yeah, it was pretty, you know, it was a tough disciplinary. No, but they've repented. Mm -hmm. They've changed their heart. And I think 2 Corinthians, when you read 2 Corinthians, it's not... Like he prob- he sat down and just wrote at one time the entire letter. Right. You can see how he's writing and writing, he's putting in. So the beginning of the letter, he you can tell he's still struggling mm-hmm. with the problems that are going on. He's going to get notice from um, Titus that things are good. And you can actually see the letter's tone begin to change mm-hmm. in many ways. So after that, then he's going to write Second Corinthians in Macedonia. It's a very, if you read it at one setting, it's a very jerky type of letter. When I mean jerky, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, mean, I mean it's like, it doesn't have a nice rhythm to it. Right, it's sort of a meandering letter. It, very much so. And you can see his concerns, but also the, the shift in his tone. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the letter, beginning, it's a little bit more difficult. By the end of the letter, it's a little bit more positive. Yeah, so. yeah some scholars, from what I have read, actually consider Second Corinthians to, to be like two separate letters that were kind of joined together, yeah. almost like Paul's fourth and fifth letter to the Corinthians kind of put together into one. Yeah, sometimes I think, again, with inspiration, people just sometimes have the idea that the apostle just sat there and just wrote it all out right. as, you know, God was speaking to his mind or something. Yeah. But no, this was put together through pieces. Yeah. So now just to give some general some general notes and structure on Second Corinthians specifically, from, from what I can tell, there are three major sections in this letter. So chapters 1 through 7, you'll see Paul kind of defends his ministry. And we can get more <laughs> yeah. into this, but this is, this is a, big, a big section here. It is. He's defending against these false apostles or false teachers. Chapters 8 and 9, 
he's really encouraging the Corinthians to give generously mm-hmm. because he's he's taking up an offering for the Jerusalem church. And then chapters 10 through 13 is kind of his final critique of his opponents and his final challenge mm-hmm. to the Corinthians. So that, that's kind of the basic outline. And I think something that you'll you'll definitely see as well, and Pastor Ryan, you can speak to this also, but this is just a very emotional letter it as is. well. And I, I like to say that in this letter, you kind of see more Paul the pastor versus Paul the professor. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you're reading like Romans and Paul can get very theological and he almost seems like a s- systematic theologian. Right. But in this one, you're really going to see Paul the pastor. You're going to see his heart. And if, if you think about it, I mean, Paul spent 18 months with the Corinthians. Yes. And he poured his life into them. And now they have, or they, they were struggling at least, you know, after First Corinthians, they didn't respond very well to his letter and they've rejected his apostleship in, mm-hmm. in many ways. They're falling for false teachers. So he's upset in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And he's also showing his heart for the, the Corinthians. One thing I like about the book itself is, and I've noticed being in ministry, there's a lot of things that go on in your life and anybody who's just serving just in general, they're going to have their ups and downs. They're going to have times that things are said about them. Yeah, And that's why I like this book so much. Because whenever you're really starting to struggle or feel down, I encourage people to read Second Corinthians mm-hmm. because it helps you understand the humanity of Paul, the struggles of Paul as a pastor. Yeah. Yeah, and this letter is more autobiographical than, yeah. than most of Paul's letters because he's trying to defend his ministry mm-hmm. in a sense. So there are these false apostles that are, are coming in behind Paul and, and discrediting his ministry. And so he's defending himself. And you might think, you know, why why did the Corinthians reject Paul? Why would they do that? I mean, this is the Apostle Paul we're talking about. If we were <laughs> to have a chance to sit under his teaching today, I mean, can you imagine trying to buy a ticket to that, oh, be to that conference, <laughs> the Apostle Paul conference? So they have the Apostle Paul with them. Why would they reject him? But if you think about it, Paul, when he was with them, he was poor. Mm-hmm. He earned a, a very meager living through manual labor. Mm-hmm. He was often homeless. And apparently he wasn't the most impressive public speaker, at least not compared to some of these other flashy. Yeah. I like. I think Corinth liked to flash. Yeah, they like to the flash. And so they're encountering these other teachers who are very wealthy. Mm-hmm. They're very impressive in person. But Paul comes in and he says, look, true Christian leadership is not about self-promotion. It's not about status. Think about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus became exalted through suffering and death, through humbling himself. So he says the cross turns the world's perception of success upside down. Mm-hmm. And, and you're also going to see he talks about these false apostles had these letters of recommendation, yeah. apparently. Paul says, if you want a letter of recommendation, you are my letter of recommendation. Mm-hmm. What more do you want? God has worked through me to help bring you to Christ. You're my letter of recommendation. <laughs> So is there anything else you would like to add there, Pastor Ryan? Just a few things I was thinking about is when the reader listens to 2 Corinthians, the problem is it's like you can only hear one side of the telephone call. Right. And so you have to sometimes read behind between the lines to try to understand what the other side was actually saying. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to it, what the Corinthian church was saying to Paul was brutal. Yeah. I mean, it was ruthless. I mean, just a couple things that I noted. I mean, they charged him with walking in the flesh. Mm. In a sense, they're saying, you're not even a spiritual man. <laughs> I'm saying, as a pastor, how do you think you'd feel about that, to have right. people make those type of accusations against you? And yeah. my thought is, were they really true? I mean, they're false accusations, mm-hmm. but the church thought it was true. Mm-hmm. 
You know, another is, I mean, they thought he was a coward. <laughs> for he wrote letters that, you know, resounded yeah. like thunder. But when in actual presence, he was just like a little squeaky mouse. <laughs> Not very impressive. Not in very impressive. Yeah. I mean, what man wants to hear that he's a coward? Yeah. I mean, and then if you start thinking about it, this man's been beaten. Mm-hmm. He's been put in prison. He just came from a very difficult time in Ephesus. I mean, this guy eventually speaks before governors, high officials. He's risked his life. But you know what they're accusing him of? Being a coward. Yep. Um, they said, in a sense, he did not maintain himself in dignity by taking support from the churches, but demeaned himself in Corinth because he worked. Mm. So think about this. Here a guy is working. Mm-hmm. You know, He's not taking monies from Corinth, and it's actually used against him. Yeah. They claimed that he wasn't even one of the original disciples. Mm. You know, you're not one of the 12. Yeah. You know, Peter came here. We'd listen to him. But you? Eh, I don't know. Yeah, I get the sense that's something that haunted Paul through much of his ministry, not being one of the original yes. 12. And sometimes we don't think about that. We just think that these are like superhuman yeah. people. They don't right. have feelings. They don't, yep. they don't struggle. He was struggling. He was struggling. That's for far, sure. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I know you mentioned it, but they said he had no credentials. Yep. I mean, this is a man who started the church and pretty much saying, if you want to come and speak at our church again, you better show us some good credentials because <laughs> you're not welcome anymore. Show us those letters of recommendation. I mean, so they attacked his character. Yeah. They said he's fleshly, boastful, deceitful. They even gave the idea that he was embezzling funds that were being entrusted to him. Mm. So this is a pretty yeah. tough time for, for Paul. Yeah, those are tough accusations, especially, like I said, if you if you spend 18 months with these people mm-hmm. on the front lines of ministry, pouring your life into them, and then they turn around and treat you like this. And to go along with that, to kind of give Paul's response to some of these accusations, one of the key themes in this book is sort of strength and weakness. Mm-hmm. You're going to see this a lot. One of the key verses, I think, is in chapter 12, verse 9, he says, But he, meaning God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says, I will boast in my weaknesses, Hmm. because it shows Christ's power all the more. I'm not trying to impress you with myself like these other false apostles. That's not what it's about. And he actually says, his suffering validates his ministry as an apostle of a suffering savior. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, the Corinthians are discrediting him because he's suffering and he's poor. He's like, look at Jesus. If you're rejecting me, you're rejecting Jesus ultimately. Mm-hmm. So, and I think there's some application for us here. We have to remember that the Christian life is really one of, of humility and self-sacrifice. It's not about self-promotion. So are, are we humbling ourselves and exalting Christ, or are we trying to promote ourselves? Any thoughts you'd have there? Well, thinking about it, I know we'll get into the book a little bit more about this, but there is some sarcastic humor Mm -hmm. that Paul has when he writes this, and we'll get into that. But again, what I think they'll need to observe is his reaction to criticism his pastoral concerns. Yeah. I mean, he isn't just struggling because he's been beaten. Mm-hmm. He's struggling because of his care and love for churches. Exactly. They weigh yeah. very heavy on him how they're doing. One thing I think Paul was struggling to in the book is did his life really matter? Mm. And I don't think we ever really think of it that way. Yeah. But in the moment, and we can look back, you know, 2,000 years of history and say, my goodness, yes, yeah. it mattered. Yeah. But from his perspective, we can see over and over, Paul was a very driven man. Mm -hmm. 
Paul, I, I think you can see over and over, he realized that one day he's going to stand before God and give an account for his life. He wanted his life to have value. Mm-hmm. And I think he was struggling, wondering, does it even matter? Yeah. I mean, think about it. Again, you spent 18 months there, and he's probably thinking, for what? This is how you respond to that? Mm-hmm. Was it even worth it? I, I literally gave my life to you for 18 months. And now you're just going to grumble and complain and you're going to call me out and make these false accusations. I could see how that would be they, extremely discouraging. They weren't even neutral. It's almost like they hate him. Yeah. They turned that they, deeply They turned on him completely. Now, again, as a church, it seems like the church overall repents, but there's still false um, people in that church still yeah. who are still causing problems. Yeah. And, and something we mentioned, I think, in our introductory episode to the Corinthians, and I don't remember who it was who who wrote the letter, but one of the early church fathers, this was post-New Testament, mm-hmm. but we're talking, you know, second century. There was a, a church father who wrote a letter to the Corinthians at the church in Corinth, and it appears that they were still struggling even then. So yeah. their struggles even outlived Paul. So yeah. you could definitely see how Paul would, would be struggling with, does my ministry even in matter in the end? And, you know, the reality of the beast, things don't change. Right. Um, struggles that they had in the first century, or struggles that we have in our exactly. churches t- today. Mm-hmm. Um, things, you know, in ministry. And again, when I say ministry, I'm not just saying being a pastor. I'm just saying right. anyone who serves God at times is going to question. Mm-hmm. Does it matter what I do? Is right. there any value? Sin is still sin. Mm-hmm. In the first century, there was sin. And guess what? Now in 2021, or there's still sin. Yep. People are still people. And, and we're all in ministry, in a sense. We're all called to, to do ministry of some sort, whether that's for a, a living or not. We're all called to ministry. Oh, boy, we could get on a whole other pet <laughs> yeah. peeve of what we call the holy man myth. Yeah. I'll really quickly say, and I know you brought this up, but one of the, things, the greatest mistakes we make in the American church is we think the pastor is the holy man. Yep. And all we do is support the pastor, where God called all of us to make a difference. Right. You know, our pastor's prayers don't get to God faster than someone else's prayers. <laughs> right. Before God, we all have something he wants us to do. Yeah. We're all on equal footing in, in God's eyes. Absolutely. We're all justified by the blood of Christ alone. And what that does, though, is it puts onus on everybody. It does. We all make a difference. Yep. Not, you know, I just support them. Yep. And then when we all take an important part of saying, I make a difference, and I take ownership, you'll see the church flourish. Yep. But all we can do is be faithful to what God has called us to do. All we can do is plant the seeds. Mm-hmm. God's the only one who can make them grow. Absolutely. So all we can do is be be faithful. Sometimes it, from our perspective, it may not seem like, especially in the short term, what we're doing is making any difference. But all we can do is leave the results up to God. Which is hard to do. It's easier said than done. <laughs> it's, it's easier. And I even think Paul, you know, when, where he writes in Thessalonians, but I was thinking when he's in Corinth, he says, be anxious for nothing. Yeah. I don't think that was an ideal that he had all the time. No. Because there's times you can see he was being anxious. So he, he has the ideal that he doesn't want to be anxious, mm-hmm. like we all do. Yeah. But he messed up just like we all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. O- only Jesus is perfect. Yeah. You get the sense sometimes Paul's almost writing to himself, just yeah. like, you know, pastors when we're preaching, oftentimes we're preaching to ourselves just as much as we are to the the congregation, sometimes more so. (laughs) I know, sometimes you think, should I even deliver this? (laughs) Well, I think that's about all for now, unless you have any final thoughts. So we'll get more into 2 Corinthians in the weeks ahead here. But for now, remember to continue listening. We want to help you get into the Word until it gets into you, and we want to equip you so that you can go out and you can be a world changer.